When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Uh, yeah, this weekend was sort of a, a, a kick in the blue and oranges, huh? My goodness. Um, yeah, not not the ideal outcome you're looking for after um, the energizing move the Mets made on Friday and picking up Javi Baez and Trevor Williams from the Cubs, um, losing two of three to the Reds, which of course we'll get into, and then... Sunday was capped off with uh, <laughs> some more disconcerting news. Um, the Mets were not able to uh, come to terms with their first round 10th overall draft pick of last month or earlier. Uh, well, now it is last month. In July's draft, uh, Kumar Rocker from Vanderbilt University. Of course, there uh, there was a reason that Rocker was... Um, I guess had dropped so far. He was uh, certainly a, a top three talent per all of your draft evaluators. And and folks, full disclaimer: I am not a draft expert by any stretch of the, of the term. Um, you know, I pay a little bit of attention. Of course, I've caught myself up on uh, on this situation as much as the um, the layman can. But I do have some thoughts on it. So before we get into the weekend, that's where we're going with things. So, Kumar Rocker, of course, you know, you have to assume that teams knew that uh, there were some red flags when they passed up on him. You know, nine teams ahead of the Mets passed him, passed on him, I should say, in the draft. Well, the Mets um, took him with number 10. They put billboards up. <laughs> like, it was a highly, highly touted, a highly regarded pick for the Mets. You know, whatever his health condition may be. And his agent, Scott Boris, came out on Sunday afternoon, uh, Sunday evening, wherever you are. Uh, and, you know, he, he made it very clear that Rocker has no medical issues right now. He's going to continue training. I believe John Heyman mentioned that Rocker is expected to just train on his own. He's not expected to return to Vanderbilt next year. Um, Luke uh, Hakavar followed the same path. He was eventually... Uh, redrafted to first overall by the Royals, I want to say. Um, you know, it, it's a, there's going to be people who point to, oh, well, now the Mets have have two first-round picks, possibly more, depending on what happens with uh, qualifying offers this offseason. But, oh, the Mets have two first-round picks next year. One of them is number 11, right behind number 10, which is a, it's a comp pick where they would have been picking this year. Yeah, but they – and that, that, don't get me wrong. That's great. Anytime you're adding top-flight talent to the system, that that's excellent. But you rearranged your entire draft this year just to accommodate Rocker. Even with health issues, I just don't see the point of not 
giving him his six million or, or whatever that they were demanding at this point after the the medical information was reviewed and and the Mets saw what they saw whatever that is what it is this is not uncharted territory but for the Mets to let a talent like Rocker walk away over what amounts to, to peanuts in the long run. I mean, all right, we, we all know how much money made. Well, we don't know exactly because they don't open their books, but we know that Major League Baseball makes upwards of $10 billion a year. That's that's their league revenue. Um, just the Mets alone in the next three years, let's estimate somewhere in the ballpark of like $600 million. That's where their payroll spending is going to be. When you think about Letting a talent like Rocker get away for, at max, I believe they were asking for $6 million, which is a little bit above slot for number 10, but uh, well worth it for the talent that you know everybody can see that he has. Even if he never makes it to the majors, which, you know, there's always going to be adjustments with the advancements in biomechanic analysis. You know, there are certainly ways to go through health issues, and then come back stronger. That's always been the case, and now with the advancements that there are, that case is made a little bit stronger. In Rocker's case, he's not even hurt yet. They're just, you know, one, oh, we didn't see the medical, <laughs> you know, the medical information, but one can assume if he's still pitching um, and he's still training, you know, this is not a career-ending injury, and there aren't many career-ending injuries anymore. Thoracic outlet syndrome is pretty much the one that's going to wipe everybody out. Yeah, of course, a, a Tommy John or a shoulder injury, yeah, it's going to um, make the, the the climb that much steeper for for a player coming back from an injury at that such a at such an early stage in his development. But in the same regard, the Mets are you know if they were to if they would have kept him in the fold, you know what are you you parting with you parting with six million dollars. In the grand scheme of things, that just it seems like such a waste of talent just to stand there and dig your heels in on principle. The kid's got all the talent in the world. He is a, a perfect personality for New York. I just, I don't understand it. Again, I'm not a, uh, a draft expert, and I, I, I'm very curious to know what type of leverage Rocker and his camp had. Because the Mets, you know, oh, you know, they could just say, "Oh, we're not going to give you six million. We're going to give you five million. I, I don't know if those are the numbers. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Rockers camp. If they didn't feel that they had options, they would have taken five. I guess they feel they have options. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, I'm at a loss. I'm not sure exactly what the Mets were thinking. In that case, um, yeah, you have to just kind of, I guess, roll with it and. I hate saying that, oh, well, yeah, you just pretty much – because you didn't throw away a draft, but you drafted accordingly be, because of one pick. I know lots of people have pointed out the Mets didn't make a, a late-round backup pick. I, I Again, <laughs> this is not my area of expertise, but I take that as a, a very high-ceiling player that under the circumstances would have would not have signed unless they were drafted you know, first round. But now you have first-round money to give them, or at least you know more money to give them. Maybe you can entice them to sign. The Mets didn't even make one of those picks. I just um, you have to, I guess, look at the whole situation. 
and think, yeah, maybe this was sprung on them. Maybe they did see something that wasn't that threw up enough of a red flag to say, all right, you know what, we're out. I can't imagine what in the world that could have been. And maybe we might hear about it, but chances are we won't. It is what it is now. There's no getting it back. I'm recording this at, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock on Sunday, and that, that, that deadline's already passed, and uh, I guess, you know, you just kind of have to pick up the pieces. But, boy, uh, talk about getting uh, getting punched in the uh, in the solar plexus when you just didn't expect it. That's uh, It's a shame. Because it's they certainly could have used it, and and the uh, yeah well <laughs> I guess in the same respect they didn't part with many high end prospects or pretty much at all this uh when they moved when they moved uh, through the trading deadline and you know I know Ginn was mentioned as a possible I guess uh, candidate to be moved and he didn't and you have Matthew Allen coming back from Tommy John and. And Rocker to that stable would have been really, really cool. But, eh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the Mets did play three games this weekend. And uh, for the most part, <laughs> it wasn't all that exciting. Um, they did make a game out of things on Saturday night. But, you know, uh, they, they just couldn't build on momentum. They couldn't capitalize on it. And I saw someone mention it on Twitter. I wish I would have wrote it down. But now it's stuck in my head. Like, you expect this team to build off wins like that. And we're going to get into the whole weekend, but um, you know what? Real quick, before I do get into the weekend, we're going to take a very quick break here from our sponsors. I forgot to do that in the last episode. (laughs) My apologies. Sorry, Andrew. Um, We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors, come back and and kind of break down the weekend, uh, try and find some positives in the negatives. Hang tight. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. Okay, welcome back. So, again, the Mets lost two out of three to the Reds this weekend. Very good offensive team. Boy, um, <laughs> you know, after trading for Baez on Friday, getting the black uniforms on, you'd expect the energy to be up. Of course, uh, the Mets got some disappointing news on Jacob deGrom. Uh, Ahead of the game, uh, Zach Scott announced that there was a setback in deGrom's rehab. He felt a little more tightness, a little more inflammation in his elbow. He will be shut down for two weeks. That's from Friday. And, you know, he'll have to be ramped back up. The Mets aren't expecting him back until September. So that... Certainly took the uh, the air out of the Mets balloon on Friday, and you hate to see that. The place was packed. Um, the fans were certainly uh, ready for a, a big night. Joey Votto 
boy, this guy, uh, I, I think he hit a home run in his seventh straight game on Friday. And he told the press earlier in the week, I'm just trying to hit home runs. And uh, it's working. My goodness, it's working. But, um, you know, it, it, the Mets had opportunities on Friday to win. Um, you know, you had a, a really nice start from Carlos Carrasco, all things considered. I think he only gave him 90, uh, I'm sorry, uh, just shy of 60 pitches, 58 pitches. He was crisp. He let up a home run to, um, oh, my goodness, now I can't remember. Jonathan India, first pitch of the game. <laughs> what a player. Oh, my goodness, what a player. But, uh, yeah, you know, he got over it. He settled in. I He's a veteran. I'm, I'm sure nerves didn't have much to do with that. He just left a pitch over a plate to a really good hitter. But, you know, he kept on moving from there. He got through seven strikeouts, just one walk. Um, oh, my my goodness. I'm looking at Sonny Gray. Four innings, four strikeouts, just one walk. <laughs> you know, hey, it's Sunday. Um, and, again, Miguel Castro ran into some trouble. Anthony Bonda unfortunately, did not make it through the weekend, but he, um, I guess, the Mets were in the game. He let up three innings. The Mets leaned on him for two, which was a little surprising, and he was very clean his first inning. I think he three strikeouts. He worked around a base runner, but uh, his second inning will work. He let up three runs, and then, boom, that, uh, I guess, 3-1 lead turns to 6-1, and, and, and that's that. I mean, you know, you hate to see it happen. Um, Brandon Nimmo tweaked his... Uh, Tweaked his hamstring, so he he was out of commission pretty much through the rest of the weekend. Rojas made it clear. Uh, well, he said ahead of the game on Saturday that he might be available to pinch hit, but said after the game he was not available to pinch hit. Nimmo did pinch hit on Sunday, which was encouraging. Hopefully he's back in the lineup in Miami. But, yeah, I mean, on Friday you had a little bit of offense. Jeff McNeil kept his uh, hitting streak going, which came to an end on, on, on Saturday, but yeah, he's you know he's been terrific. He had a really uh, terrific month. We'll we'll get into the 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 month that the Mets offense had at least until they <laughs> until they came home because that's when things got out of hand. But um, really a very promising month. But Friday was not the energy we're looking for. Um, Saturday the Reds come back and and the Mets you know up until the <laughs> the end of the game the Mets were pretty much flat. I think they entered the eighth inning with just four hits on the night. Um, it just not what you want. Um, Javi Baez, of course, in the lineup, and the fans were very excited for that. And uh, he hit a home run, tied things up in the ninth. Uh, in the tenth, uh, Mets were able to to go ahead and and take the uh, take the win. And it, you know, like I was saying before the break, it, it's something that you expect this team to do, especially with the way that they fought back so much this season. You expect them to take a win like Saturday, come into Sunday, and um, and really, you know, carry that over. And and they didn't. And Rich Hill had a decent outing. Um, ran into trouble towards the end of his night, but you know, wasn't terrible. the The bullpen was outstanding on Saturday. NC Diaz gave a scoreless inning. Familia, Seth Lugo, Aaron Loop, Trevor May, Edwin Diaz. Everyone was perfect. Uh, not perfect, but everyone was scoreless. And it, it let the Mets get back in the game. Um, you know, we've seen him take uh, take advantage of these opportunities so many times this year that, at least, you know, for, for someone like me whose optimism runs rampant, you know, you almost expect it down to the last out. And even on Sunday, 
almost expected it. I think with six outs left, I said, all right, guys, let's go. And it wasn't to be. But, you know, on Saturday, um, the Mets scratched out a win that they needed to scratch out. They had lost two in a row. Uh, the, the, the Reds are, you know, I think they're four games back of the Padres in the NL wild card heading into Monday or something in that area. Um, you know, this is a, a, a contending team. I'm not going to say it's a postseason team because they, they, you know, chances are they're going to be on the fringes, but they're in the fight and they're certainly playing like they're in the fight. And and yeah, Wade Miley's a good veteran pitcher, and the Mets were uh, were a bit stifled by him. But you know, you get to Sunday and uh, you know, and Vladimir Gutierrez, his slider is very impressive. But you know, the Mets hit him hard recently, and. This isn't a, an elite pitcher, but boy, he shut down this offense pretty effectively on Sunday. And you know, you, you just you kind of hope for the consistency. Um, you know, Brandon Drury had <laughs> just an outstanding run, and, and he's kind of carried that next man up mentality uh, throughout you know this whole up and down season. But boy, I mean, you're starting to see flames go out, and that happens. It's a very long season, but like Kevin Pillar. Um, you know, has had a rough go lately, um, was thrown back into the starting lineup when Brandon Immel missed on Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, he had hit on Sunday, but, you know, these aren't, um, it's not what's going to carry you. I guess yeah, everyone wishes the Mets made another addition at the deadline, add another starter, add another reliever, which <laughs> on Sunday, uh, could have used one, but, um, another bat even could have lengthened things up because you don't know when the next injury is going to strike. And sure, when everyone's healthy and everyone's hitting, this this team is an, is a force at the plate. That's no question. Even the pitching staff, if everyone's even without Jacob Degrom, one through five, or even one through six, even one through seven, if you want to include Trevor Williams, that's a um, it's a formidable group. Is it ideal? No, of course not. But it's enough to get you by. It's more than they had earlier in the season they got by. They're going to have to kick themselves into gear. And uh, on Sunday, they, they they just, you know, they didn't. They kept themselves around. And Marcus Stroman was, was again, terrific. He got through, uh, what was his first three innings scoreless, let up a run in the fourth, let up three more in the sixth. Uh, two were charged to him. The other was uh, was charged to, um, to Castro. Oh, I'm sorry. No, all four. We're charged to Stroman. My apologies. And, and you know, it, it, in a game like this where the Mets were in it, up and, and, and again, it was one nothing into the top of the sixth, you add a little run support to that one nothing deficit, and boom, all of a sudden the Reds are fighting to come, to come back, and then you're only fighting down yeah, – again, these are all hypotheticals, but you need consistency – at the plate. You, you need it. Yeah, I have to have it. You know, Jeff McNeil, as we mentioned, had a really, really nice month. Uh, I do have the stats in front of me here. Um, you know, they, uh, we've talked about the Mets offense plenty of times as far as uh, what they've done this month. And, you know, their 11-game homestand, I think Mike Poomer from the Post tweeted out, um, the Mets averaged 2.78 runs per game over this 11-game homestand. That's not going to work. But, you know, you have a guy like Jeff McNeil who was struggling after he came back from injury, just like Michael Conforto still is. Talked about that on Sunday at the Apple, by the way. Really dug into a lot of statistical data 
And I still didn't come up with a straight answer, but there's a lot of interesting stuff to check out there. Uh, I highly suggest you go ahead and give that a read. Back to Jeff McNeil. So Jeff McNeil came back June 22nd, struggled a bit, even struggled a bit towards the beginning of the month. Finished July with the ninth best batting average in baseball, 351. His 419 on base percentage was 19th. 12.8% strikeout rate was 12th. Um, you know, this is the Jeff McNeil that we've all grown accustomed to seeing. And uh, it just it, an absolutely essential part to a successful Mets offense. It just, it, it, it's needed. And that, you know, it really, it goes for everybody. Brandon Nimmo, we saw how important his return was. You know, the Mets haven't been winning games at the pace that their offense said they should have last month. You know, if you look back at what the Mets did this month, I have the numbers right here. Their 117 weighted runs created plus was first in baseball. 5.3 wins above replacement was fourth. 265 batting average was second. 342. 342 on base percentage. That was fourth in baseball. That's for your team for a month. You know, that that doesn't happen by accident. Just very encouraging. And I know that they had down points. But, guys, this is baseball. There are going to be down times. You just got to... Limit them. You got to keep those down times to a to an absolute minimum, and, and and do what you can to stretch out the good times. We've said this so many times on the show, but onward. Uh, Thirty eight home runs in July were third in baseball. One forty one weighted runs created plus with runners in scoring position, which was an area that the Mets had so much trouble in earlier on the year. Fifth in baseball in July. Like you can't. I know you can look at the last couple of weeks and say, oh well, yeah, this offense sucks. Yeah, but. You know, this offense had a really tough go of things. Now that they're all back, yes, you can look at this stretch and be like, oh, well, yeah, there's some issues. For the first few months of the season, you couldn't really say that because this was a, a patchwork quilt of a roster and the Mets got through it. July, with the offense performing as they were, and, the, you know, the, the pitching took a step back and that's going to happen. Um, you can't go out and throw a jam every time. And I think Taiwan Walker coming back to what he was in the first half is going to be really important. But now the Mets have depth. They're not going to be relying on, you know, Jared Eikhoff or or just whoever, a bullpen game or whoever to get us through. It's not going to be like that anymore. Um, but there's still going to be the element of producing. You have to go out there and produce. You can't just say, oh, we're, we're a full roster now. We're going to, you know, everything will be fine. No, you got to go out and you keep. You have to keep on improving. You have to keep on getting better. You know what? I am going to talk about Conforto because Michael Conforto is a very important part to this team. I'm just going to go ahead and skim through the article. Uh, it was almost, I want to say it was over a thousand words, but I, I don't count. But uh, it, it was a bit of a thing. But if you look, you know, you look at what he did between 2019 and 2020, 134 weighted runs created plus, 42 home runs over 205 games, uh, 274, 376, 499 line. Like, that's going to play. It's always going to play. Um, <laughs> hindsight always being 2020, you know, you would have, you would think now that, oh, wow, maybe Michael Conforto should have took that money when the Mets. Well, it was reported that there was no traction, that they wanted to just hold things off. And whatever, that's fine. But, you know, we all know now that Conforto likely, you know, He's played himself out of a lot of money this season. It's going to happen. It is what it is. This is just, it's the way of this world. <laughs> it happens. Um, you know, he's got 
He still has 60 games, well, 58 games left now. This season, to turn things around, uh, is he going to get that five-year, $100 million deal? Probably not, uh, unless he turns things around considerably and just turns into a postseason hero. That ship may have sailed, for now. Um, you have to assume the Mets are going to offer him a qualifying offer, uh, extend him a qualifying offer. Whether he takes it or not, um, you know, he, he's said plenty of times that he wants to remain in New York, and that's awesome. That's great. I think that Michael Conforto, and I think many fans agree that Michael Conforto is an important part of this team. When he's right, it makes the Mets a better ball club. And then that's, you know, that's not opinion. That's fact. When he's hitting the ball well, he adds another dynamic to the offense. This season, without his production, and it's not even like he's injured where he's just not there and someone else has to pick it up. But he's been a, a hole in the lineup. And, you know, I dug into the stats, truly, genuinely curious to see why. I never got that answer. I really didn't. It's so baffling. So, here. He's, all right, we can just fast forward right up to, I guess, uh, the current time. So, he missed five weeks with the hamstring. Uh, the first, you know, Leading up to that and since then has been mostly awful. Uh, for 23 plate appearances for a week in July, middle of July, he hit 381 with a 1.048 OPS, which was great. But, you know, he's hit 108 over 40 plate appearances since. That's excluding Sunday. You know, if you look at 2020 and look at 2021, and I... It, He's played, I think he's had maybe 30 or 40 more played appearances this season than he did last year. So it's it's kind of an equal comparison. But it's just, it's night and day. And I'm not even just talking about his slash line. It's so much more than that. So early on in his career and even last year, pitchers would really, really attack Michael Conforto uh, low and outside the zone. So low away, low inside, but outside the strike zone. He's really improved his contact rate. Um, on those pitches, he's 58, almost 50, yeah, 58%, let's say 50, it's 57.8, but 58 is good enough. That increased to 71.9% this year. So he's making contact on those pitches. He's only chasing, uh, he's actually dropped his chase rate almost 2% this season. Now, his whiff rates down in those low zones have dropped 20% 20% low and inside outside of the zone and 16% low and outside outside of the zone. So again, this is not inside the strike zone, but places where Conforto was chasing a lot last year, he's chasing a little bit less. And when he does chase, he's making contact. Whether those pitches are being fouled off, whether they're just weak contact in play, you know, that's going to, that factors into things too. But early on in the count, Conforto's not seeing fastballs. He's seeing sliders. I actually put the <laughs> the pie chart graph up on uh, up on the, the Apple article. So early in the count, most of the time, and I believe this is somewhere like 35% of the time, he's seeing sliders on the first pitch. Uh, whether it's 0-1 or 1-0, around the same rate he's seeing change-ups on the second pitch. He doesn't see, he doesn't have probably more than a 10% fastball percentage after, uh, up until... I would say maybe one and two. They chase him with a fastball, but that's going to be outside of the zone. Uh, 
And again, there's so much to take into account here. This is really just the tip of the iceberg, what I was jumping into. And again, I never even came to a, a short answer, but there's just so much data that's so puzzling. You know, fastballs that are in the zone, four-seam fastballs that are in the zone. In 2020, Michael Conforto was, you know, he was missing high high fastballs, as every player does. Um, but, he, you know, middle-middle, he wasn't missing. I have this actually with percentages. So if you break down the strike zone into like a 16 box box, like 16 square, let's say 16 square boxes, those four center ones. In 2020, if we're going from looking from a catcher's perspective, top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right, 0% whiff rate, top left, 29% whiff rate, top right, 25% bottom left, 40% bottom right. In 2020, in 2021, where was zero last year, that top left, so it's going to be, you know, middle, middle, but a little bit outside for Conforto hitting from the left-hand side. <laughs> that's up to a 40% whiff rate from zero. Like, that's just, those are pitches that, for the duration of his career, Michael Conforto was creamed. Now, if you look at his batted ball profile from 2021, you know, pitchers are still attacking the zone at the same rate, 40, 47% exactly in both years. His swing rate inside the zone has remained pretty much consistent, 67.8% this year, 68.6% last year. Really no change. It's less than 1%. His contact rate inside the zone has dropped from nearly 87% to just over 80%. His line drive rate has gone from 30.3% to 23.6%. Now, you would think that those line drives that aren't line drives anymore – just by the eye test, have been ground balls, um, you know, on the out, on the outer half of the plate that he sends to the second baseman. But, you know, we've all seen that happen so many times this year. But it's actually not the case. His fly ball rate actually increased by 5%. His ground ball rate has only increased by eh, just under 2% this year. So, you know, pitchers have him all twisted up, to say, to say the least. And then, of course, you know, he hasn't gone opposite field nearly at the rate that he has. Last year, he went oppo at 28.3%. He's at 19.1% this year. Uh, no opposite field home runs this year. Not one. Almost had one against Patrick Corbin in April, but it hit off like probably two feet below the top of the fence. Some of you may remember. Um, it's just, it's, it's absolutely baffling. In 2020, his run value in the heart of the plate um, you have like a, almost like a zone chart on StatCast, which gives you the, the heart zone, which is middle-middle, the shadow zone, which is outside of that and just outside the, the, the strike zone itself, and then the chase zone, which is outside of that shadow zone. In 2020, Michael Conforto had a plus 14 run metric in the heart of the plate. In the heart of the plate in 2021, negative six runs. He's, he's just – he's not – doing what he's done for so long. He came into the year relying on consistency, relying on helping his team win, and letting everything else just kind of fall into place, and it hasn't. Um, I am not in the business of putting myself inside a player's head. I am not in the business of speculating what COVID might have done. We've seen uh, so many professional athletes get COVID. It's irresponsible to point to that. As a possible thing, it, it who knows? It very well me very well may be the case. 
it's not my place and it's not your place to to to, to say that. It's not. I, I don't want to be uh, curt with anybody, but that is a, a piss poor, lazy excuse. Let If that's the case and the player's willing to admit that, that's one thing. For just unknowledgeable fans, and we are very knowledgeable fans in New York. We Mets fans, we are passionate. <laughs> uh, some of us get a little carried away at times, but we're knowledgeable. To make statements like, oh, well, Mike, Michael Conforto had COVID and that's why he's not playing well. You don't forget how to hit a fucking baseball because you had COVID. doesn't work like that. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor, but I know that much. So that's, and that's where my expertise in that area ends. So, you know, what I did was I looked at the data itself and and it's absolutely puzzling. There are going to be people who say, oh, well, his contract got to his head. Again, very well may be the case. Not my place to say, because I'm not a fucking psychologist. Sorry, I don't mean to curse, but it's, it's the truth. Um, I, I know baseball, so I look at baseball stats, and I look at baseball data, and what I'm seeing is a completely different hitter at the plate this season. Whether Conforto's playing hurt, whether Conforto's messed up upstairs, whether Conforto's dealing with after effects of a virus that, oh, I don't know, three million or something Americans have gotten in the last 18 months, who knows? The case at hand, or the the, the, the issue at hand, is that, or at least all we sh- that all we should be concerned with is that right now Michael Conforto isn't hitting. In the past, Michael Conforto has hit. We don't know what goes on in the clubhouse. Marcus Stroman replied, I put it up on on Twitter and Stro replied to it. And, you know, he backed up, he backed up Conforto. It said it's part of, I'm going to quote this here. It's part of life in baseball to grow and uh, grow and grow through times of adversity. One year or one stretch will never define the true value Conforto brings to the squad daily. That rings very, very true. It resonates because we don't know a, a freaking a, a, a nickel of what goes on behind those doors. We have no idea. All we know is that this team fights for each other. They fight for wins. They pick themselves up without being coaxed into it. There's something special going on in that clubhouse. Are they consistent? No. No baseball team really is. You look at the San Francisco Giants and just my jaw is dropped. They've been the epitome of consistency. And, you know, you can go back to the 2001 Mariners and say, oh, well, they were consistent. Yeah, well, they lost in the first round of the playoffs too. So there's always going to be downtimes. It's just limiting the downtimes. I hate to repeat myself, but it's the truth. Um, you know, Sunday was another day for Michael Conforto to pick things up. Didn't really do it. He drew a leadoff walk and at the time was an important leadoff walk, but uh, <laughs> I think they grinded into a double play immediately after and, and negated that. But, you know, it's um, it's all a process. Uh, personally, am I concerned with the season that Michael Conforto has had? Has had? <laughs> yes, of course. It's concerning for anybody. Am I concerned for his future? No. No. Uh, unless your name is Robbie Alomar, um, and I hate bringing him up now after we know what type of person he is, but um, unless you're Robbie Alomar, nobody just forgets how to fucking play baseball. It doesn't happen. I know we could joke that <laughs> there have been so many players to come to the Mets and forget how to play baseball, or, or players who leave the Mets and turn into stars, and you know that that might happen too. It, you don't know, but you can't say that. Oh, Michael Conforto never reached his potential because he did. He's just having a really, really bad season on the field. 
And again, we don't know the leadership qualities he brings. We don't know anything besides what we see on the field. And sure, what we see on the field hasn't been good. Still some time to get that changed and, and change the narrative and, and turn that tide and really lead the Mets down the stretch. It's not like they're clawing to get back into things. The Mets are in the driver's seat right now. They play the Nationals 11 more times this year. The Nationals are putting a, a you know, and I hate to say this because they're a major league ball club, but they're putting out a, 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 a second, oh, I'm going to quote Keith Hernandez here, they're putting out a second division team. So, you know, the Mets have to take advantage. they got to beat bad teams. They have four coming up against the Marlins, who we said in the last show. The Marlins may be in last place, but they can beat anyone in this division on any given night. The Mets are going to have to come with their A game. Leave. I think their next three series are against division foes. you got to go out there and just start hitting. And if Michael Conforto starts hitting, it, it bodes well for the rest of the, the, the process. And... and you know, the opportunities there, you just got to take it. Um, I don't want to repeat myself too many times this show, but it, it, it's the truth. You have to just take what you have and run with it. Hopefully, Nimmo's back on Monday and, and you know, just kind of pick up where they left off when uh, when things were clicking just a, a few short weeks ago. Guys, that's all I got for today. Um, happy Monday, by the way. Feeling fired up. I mean, it's, I'm recording this Sunday, but absolutely fired up. We are... Uh, Really, just in a uh, in quite a groove, um, having fun. So yeah, subscribe, rate, review. You know where to find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, check out the Apple content going up every day, and uh, yeah, well, let, let's go Mets, guys. LFGM, as Meet Alonzo would say. We'll see you next time, guys. Peace. Yeah!